with a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Costa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the marquee games for week 14 across the NFL, including the Sunday and Monday nighters. Also, Andy's going to offer up his sandwich game, and uh, I'll toss in a money line Matty pick as well. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm excellent, thank you, Matty. How are you? Had my worst week at the wicket last week it was just an apocalypse of my bankroll i love the smell of my pump in the morning that it, it hurts but it happens it happens it happens you know you just get wrapped up in certain storylines and they just don't ever come to fruition or I mean, uh, now I th- I thank you because one of the wins, one of the meek little wins I did get was on uh, the Buffalo New England game when I picked the under when I saw the wind speed. So, and for those of you that are just joining us, Andy's got a great way to bet uh, over unders and point totals based on the the speed of the wind, and obviously that played a huge part in the outcome of the game in Orchard Park. Yeah, I mean, it's not as straightforward as, oh, if it's windy, it's an under. But, you know, when you turned on the television, even before the kickoff, you were like, wow, how are they going to move the ball in this? Well, obviously, New England did it by running the ball um, past three three pass attempts, which is actually more passing than even Allen Iverson did in the NBA. We're talking about practice, man. <laughs> that was a game plan at one, probably one Bill Belichick coach of the year, that one game, one game plan alone. Not sure if he's the presser he's wearing a navy uh a navy mask yeah that's right right and what do they do they run the ball if you look at this play what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley well i gotta say he's really i mean when tom brady left it was all about okay well let's see who was the real winner in that I think what happened was in New England was you had that once in a generation thing where you had the best coach of all time manage to hook up with the best quarterback of all time. And, you know, the stars align, Drew Bledsoe goes down and uh, Dynasty's born. Because, you know, you see Tom Brady, he obviously can win without Belichick. He took the Bucks to a Super Bowl right away. Um, and Bill Belichick, we were talking about him making lemons or making lemonade out of lemons and really he's he's making turnip juice out of turnip and the turnip juice tastes like champagne now let's all celebrate with a cool glass of turnip juice yeah yeah it's you know he's always playing the long game uh i text you i was like wasn't the smartest decision to go for having the wind in your back in the fourth quarter well, I found out after it was actually Sean McDermott's position to do that. He chose to take the to kick off. Now, these are rules that have changed recently. He elected to take the kickoff in the second half as opposed to being able to choose which end he wanted. And for some reason, he didn't want the win in his back in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so, game like that where you got kickers having trouble, you got to take the win, man. I don't know. He's, sometimes these smart coaches, I think, outthink themselves. Just keep it oh, simple. Kicker's having trouble. Like the, uh, 
Patriots didn't even go for the the one point conversion on their first touchdown. They went for two. It was, it was pointless to try to kick into that. Now, a team that did get some love this week was the Detroit Lions. They got their first wins. Way to go, Lions fan! Yeah, there was lots of merry men in the Motor City this week. Lions fans were ecstatic. Yeah, they were out celebrating. Well, all, in fact, the top five things that the, the Detroit Lions did to celebrate their first win of the year, I tracked them down. Number five. Free crack pipes for the first 2,000 people to show up at City Hall. I had a crackhead break my car window one time. Broke it! You know he stole fucking candy bar I had lying on the seat. That's all he took. Number four. A special evening sponsored by the Ford family. half price hookers until midnight. Hookers and blow. Amazing. Number three. Instead of tearing down the goalposts, they set Joe Lewis Arena on fire. This makes me want to burn this motherfucker down. Come on, Boogie, let's burn this motherfucker down! Number two. Replace baby Jesus with a Barry Sanders figurine in Cathedral Church of St. Paul's Nativity Scene. Listen, pal, maybe you haven't heard. I'm the guy in all Detroit. And now, the number one. Everyone threw two quarters into the Woodward Fountain. City officials are calling it the biggest bailout package ever. I know, now lay off Detroit. Them people is living in Mad Max times. All right, should we fire it up, buddy? I think we should fire it up. Are you ready? It's time! Fucking go! And for our first game, we head to Washington, where the professional football team from Washington are four-point underdogs against the visiting Dallas Cowboys. 48-and-a-half is your over-under. Big divisional rivalry here. The Cowboys 9-3 and three against the spread. Uh, Washington 5-7. and seven. And also Washington, though, winners of four straight since they've come off the bye week, and they haven't exactly played a bunch of chumps in that span. Uh, they've beaten the Bucks, Panthers, Seahawks, and Raiders. And they beat the Raiders in Las Vegas. Let's qualify that. Not just four straight-up wins, but they were um, they were underdogs in all four games. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last one, just so our listeners know, that was our sandwich game of the week. So they did beat the Raiders for us on that. Yummy. I'm not sure about Dallas's win on primetime against Taysom Hill. Uh, you know, along with his 101 rushing yards, he also had four interceptions. And if you look at the box scores, New Orleans actually had more passing yards, more rushing yards, more time of possession, and better third down efficiency. And I, I'm not trying to take away from anything from the Cowboys win, but my point here is that Taylor Heineke will probably not be throwing four interceptions for Washington this week. Well, for me, it's uh, watching the Cowboys... And there's two things uh, that come to mind is first the passing game. And that's uh, Dak Prescott has a sub 80 passer rating in three of his last five games. He had none of those games in his, the first six games of the season. So he's regressing as the season goes along, but the changing of the guard at running back is interesting to me. Ezekiel Elliott's got fewer than 50 rush yards in four straight games. That's actually the longest streak of his career. Uh, but Look at Tony Pollard and how he's come on. He's averaged 5.6 yards a carry. Uh, that's the most by a Cowboys player with 100 or more carries since Felix Jones in 2009. 
Well, if you noticed at the end of the fourth quarter, you know, they had Zeke in there. They were up by two scores, and he's hobbling to the huddle. And I think it was just a matter of Jerry Jones telling Mike McCarthy, hey, man, paying these guys a zillion bucks, you're you're putting them in the lineup. I want me some glory, ho. And he didn't look right, and I think Tony Pollard's the beneficiary. But guess what? Guess who didn't practice yesterday? Tony Pollard due to a foot injury. So you combine that with whatever Zeke's going through with his ankle – um, it's not great. And only Baltimore and the Bucks are better at stopping the run than Washington. Well, Washington on the quarterback side, Taylor Heineke's kind of come into his own since uh, in that little four-game span. He's got 110 passer rating. That's actually the third highest among 32 quarterbacks with two or more starts in that span. Well, and the running game's coming on too, so you can you can thank the offensive line for that production. Right? You are correct, sir. Yes. And this game is, we're talking about wind speed. This is 12 mile an hour winds. You know, nothing crazy, but not exactly like Jerry's Palace in Irvine. Um, and from here out, from week 14 on, Washington only plays teams in the NFC East. So the destiny is really in their own hands. Riverboat Ronnie, in addition to Bill Belichick, is in the conversation for Coach of the Year. I like Washington to cover the four points here. I love him to cover the four points. In fact, I love him so much. They're my first money line Maddie pick this week. Oh! Oh! Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. Cincinnati. Yes, Bill, on to Cincinnati, where uh, the San Francisco 49ers are coming to town. Cincinnati, uh, one-point favorites at home, so this game basically a pick 'em. Uh, 48 and a half is your over-under. This season, San Francisco's 5-7 and seven against the spread. Cincy is 6-6, six and six, so neither real world beaters there. But in the all-time, buddy, your Niners are 12-4 and four versus the Bengals. That includes a couple Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a reboot of Super Bowl 16 and 23, to be sure. But, you know, this time there's no Joe Montana, no Boomer Esiason, and no John Candy in the end zone. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Yeah, that, that was some huge drama in those Super Bowls. Uh, your Niners, obviously, the uh, victors in both leaving Boomer Esiason with zero rings for his career, even though he was a hell of a quarterback. But, I mean, you go up against Joe Montana, a guy who never lost a Super Bowl in four tries. That's true. I appreciate you reminding me of that every time. Hey, man, it's uh, just like being a Bears fan. I got to go back to, like, the 80s to remember when I was happy. We're not here to start no trouble. We're just here to do the Super Bowl show. The, uh, your Niners have to, like, I, they suddenly became the Raiders. They have 298 defensive pass interference penalty yards and 464 total defensive penalty yards entering week 14. That is, both those stats are most in the NFL. That's undisciplined play. Very hard to win when you're taking those kind of penalties. It's hard to win, but it's easy to clean up. And a lot of that is on the fact that they're starting their second and third string secondary guys mostly. Um, not making excuses for them, but that's that's the reason for it. Well, that's why they're second and third stringers. However, those guys are still in this game. Niners are still hurting in the secondary. They are. 
You know, last week going into both games, Cincinnati and San Fran were three-point favorites. And an interesting thing about this game is that the Bengals opened up as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Now they sit as a home team underdog at one point. These are things that make you say. Yeah, I, it, it, Joe, it's, Joe Burrow has a sub-100 passer rating in four straight games Jeez. now. There's something off with him, and I'm not sure what, because he had a, more than 100 uh, passer rating in six of the first eight games of the year. Well, so, I can allude to a little bit of the reason. Well, he threw two interceptions last week, which now gives him the league lead of 14. But he ended up injuring his finger last week against the Chargers. It's a dislocated pinky on his throwing hand. Matty, I know that you've got no compunctions of a player working with nine digits, but being on his throwing hand, you know, should this affect our expected performance of him? Well, yeah, that's like being a major league pitcher. I'm sure most guys, you know, you're playing the outfield or something. If you got a hangnail, that's not the biggest deal in the world. But if you got to go out and throw 90 to 120 pitches with a hangnail, that becomes an issue. So I, I agree with you. It, it will affect the way he handles the ball. Uh, even just taking the snaps, right? If that catches the finger wrong, he's going to yikes, right? Uh, you look across the sideline too, and your boy Jimmy G who has had some struggles uh, this season, has a 90-plus passer rating in six straight games. That is the longest Niners streak of that nature since a guy by the name of Jeff Garcia in 2000. Wow. Wow. So Jimmy G's on his way up. Well, he's, he's taking a lot of shit in the Bay Area. Well, rightfully so. You make that kind of money, you're expected to perform. Well, as you say, there was, you know, there was some defensive issues last game. It's not like, <laughs> yeah. it's not like they didn't put up a bunch of points. They did. Is Debo going to be back, though? Because Well, I, I'm, I'm about to get to that. I don't think he will be. And Debo. If, you know, okay. Let's, last week, we mentioned Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase for the Bengals and all the damage they can do. Well, T. Higgins has actually been the beneficiary of that. You know, he's averaged... 126 yards receiving in the last two games. And by the way, Mixon and Chase, each responsible for fumbles recovered by the Chargers last week. But here we go. To your point about Jimmy G and Debo, the Chargers are fourth in the league against the run, but 27th in the league against the pass. So the 49ers, you know, they can't simply go to their run game here. Elijah Mitchell's listed as questionable with a concussion protocol. This Debo, is where you miss Debo. If he's not going to play. I'll tell you what, you know, for all you DFS guys out there, that means they're going to have to put a lot of faith in Brandon Ayuk. And they already use him on kick return. So they do believe in his ability. I just think that they're going to have him more involved in the offense and they're going to feed him all day long. This game is a very tough pick. If the Niners are at home, I like them, even though they haven't been very strong at home. Um, for me... I don't know, Bengals at home. The Northeast is going to be pretty chilly this uh, week. It's not going to be very nice for the passing game as well. I, I, you know, I can't go against the home team having to cover only one point just to win outright. Uh, the Niners have had such a rough year. I think, uh, I think the Bengals make it uh, 12 and 5 all time. Well, you know where they are at home outside Levi's Stadium, Matthew? Where? The Eastern time zone. In the last six games, 
out east. They're a perfect 6-0 and with an average winning margin of more than 17 points. I'm going with the 49ers. You're taking the Niners, eh? Yeah. Yeah, they have done pretty well when they come to the east. But, yeah, I'm probably going to regret this on Monday, but I'm taking the Bengals. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is... Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk. Dugger. Texas tatted on my arm. Got used to know my back. Cause I love the city I'm from. Hands up if you feel that. Next, we head south to Houston, where the Seattle Seahawks come to town. Houston's seven and a half point underdogs, 41 and a half is your over under. You know, you could probably set the over under on this game at 35 and a half and still safely bet the under. Like the Army Navy game on Saturday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's exactly what it's at. It's at 35. Is the Army Navy game at 35? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and that this game, match- this game could be at that as well. Well, their last 15 matchups have all gone under. There you have it. There you have it. Well, the Texans, they're averaging 13.7 points per game this year. That's the fewest in the NFL uh, and fewest in a season since the 2012 Chiefs, who were um, scoring 13.2 points per game. That is, that's terrible. And then, of course, it's the Seahawks coming to town. And, well, they are the second most, they, they've allowed the second most yards per game in the NFL this season at 396.2. But they've allowed the sixth fewest points per game at 20.8. So that's interesting. So they're allowing teams to move the ball on them, but they're keeping them out of the end zone. So for the Texans, I think that's going to be hard because not only do they not score a lot of points, but they've been atrocious in the red zone. Well, let's look at Seattle here, right? So last week they had the big win over my 49ers. You know, watch the highlights if you don't believe me. Next week they play another division foe in the L.A. Rams. There's only one team looking up on the Seahawks in the playoff picture hunt here, and that's the Detroit Lions. So let's not pretend these games have any type of implications, meaning that this... It's an almost wise, guys. Sandwich game. What are you? An idiot sandwich. However, for the Seahawks, winning games within that competitive division really kind of is a thing. But this is a non-conference road game, which means absolutely nothing. But let's not pretend that the Houston Texans are anything but horrible. As you mentioned, you know, with their score, they're last in the league in points scored, and they're 30th in the league in points allowed. As you mentioned, Seattle, not good that either. And let's dissect their win against the 49ers last week. They had a fake punt for 73 yards rushing, which ended up in a touchdown, a fumble recovery on the second half kickoff, a safety, and two Jimmy G INTs. These two teams ranked second last and very last in total yards per game. And it's not likely we're going to be seeing Russell Wilson in a Seahawks jersey next season. They're going to need to keep him healthy if they want to keep him marketable. You mentioned Davis Mills. You know, it is a low total of 41 and a half. There's not going to be a lot of points scored here. In fact, Deshaun Watson will probably be doing more scoring in the team's training facility. Very few people will be watching this game, including myself. It's a nothing burger for Pete Carroll if they win or they lose. The Seahawks have four wins this season. Every single game after each of these wins, they have lost both straight up and against the spread. 
I would invite both teams to go down to Ike's Love and Sandwiches located at 1051 Heights Boulevard in Houston and order the Madison Bumgarner. Yes, the sandwich is indeed named after the four-time All-Star and three-time World Series winner. And just like the Southpaw, the sandwich is also well-decorated, winning the World Food Championships in 2012. What is this iconic dish made of? Thinly sliced ribeye steak. Ike's yellow barbecue sauce, habaneros, pepper jack, and American cheese. Served hot with dirty sauce, lettuce, and tomato. Mmm, sandwich. Waiting all day for Sunday night. Okay, Sunday night. We head to Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers play host the division rival Chicago Bears. My Chicago Bears. Damn, it's been a painful year. Green Bay, 12.5 point favorites, 44, you're over and under. That is a massive spread for such a low total. Um, the Bears, though, have lost six of the last seven games. Their lone win was versus the 110 and 1 Lions. And uh, the Packers have won five straight home games versus the Bears. Their last loss, Week 12 in 2015, to Smoking Jay Cutler and John Fox. This is the 100th year of this particular rivalry. You got to love the Bears and the Packers. In fact, this will be their 204th time meeting up. But it would take a Herculean effort for the Bears to play any worse than they did last week. Sorry for the autopsy, Matt, but here's what happened. Andy Dalton, the Red Rider, threw four picks, and the Cards ended up winning 33-22. But that's not the tale of the tape. The Cards only passed for 120 yards, they rushed for only 137, and they had 10 fewer minutes in time of possession than the Bears. Oh, yeah. The Bears have outgained their opponents in four straight games, and they're one in three in those games. I got a trivia question for you, Matt. When was the last time the Green Bay Packers were double-digit favorites over the Bears? Double-digit favorites over the Bears? Uh, I don't know. I'd say somewhere uh, in Aaron Rodgers' MVP season. Was Christmas Day 2011, 10 years ago. Almost, Almost 10 years to the day. It is. And the Packers went into their bye week last week, uh, going nine and two straight up, ten and one against the spread. Coach Matt LaFleur told reporters that three of his top team's injured players that would be left tackle David Bakhtiari, linebacker uh Zedarius Smith, and cornerback Jair Alexandra will resume practice this week. And that time off should help Aaron Rodgers and his turf toe or whatever the hell he's dealing with. And also off his <clears throat> spreading of the COVID and also his contracting of the COVID-19. Well, he's 22 and five as a starter versus the Bears. He's won five straight. Only uh, Brett Favre has more wins by any quarterback versus Chicago since at least 1950. And actually, so Rogers 22 and five. Brett Favre had 23 wins against the Bears. So Rogers could tie Favre this weekend with a win. Now, I... <clears throat> I can't see the Bears winning at Lambeau Field, but with such a low total, 12 and a half points, Andy, that's a lot of points. I'm liking my Bears. I know this is going to sound kooky, and I'm a Bears fan, so maybe as a non-Bears fan, you can speak to this. But 
I think there's a chance the Bears can cover this. Matt LaFleur has lost coming off his bye week in each of the previous two seasons. Both losses were uh, to the eventual uh, NFC Championship that season, though, not to a team as shitty as the Bears. Well, I don't want to dwell on the trends of the Bears versus the Pack because we know how much they suck. But I'm going to give you another trivia bonus question. In the last 20 games against the NFC North, what is the Chicago Bears record? Straight up. In the NFC North? Mm-hmm. In the last 10? What are they, 1 in 10? Mm. Sorry, last 20 games. Or last, It wouldn't be 1 in 10 anyway. It'd be 1 in 9 because I'm good at math. Um four and 16 that does add up to 20 it might surprise you to find out that they're 13 and seven get out (laughs) i I was astonished myself i'm a bears fan and i didn't know that it just feels like we're constantly getting our asses kicked because i think it's because every time i watch them on national tv where it's their broadcast they're just constantly getting just shit kicked i mean matt Nagy, once he's gone it will be awesome Unless Jason Garrett becomes the head coach, in which case, I don't know if I can ever be a Bears fan again. But, man, I... Well, look at the the wind speed here, 12 miles an hour, which, you know, you think Bears-Packers doesn't really favor anyone, but it probably favors the more mobile of quarterbacks in Justin Fields. I think the Bears have a better kicker. Doink, doink. Cody Parkey's not the fucking kicker. It's... Oh my god! No, no, no! I thought they all automatically took on that nickname as soon as they, you know, put on the the no, jerseys. No, that's reserved for one dink and one dink only—the double doinker, Cody Parkey. I don't know how much fucking Cody Parkey's getting fucking paid, but that little fucking from South Florida can't make a goddamn fucking tick for his fucking life. Well, I think we're both going for the Bears here on the double-digit spread. Is that accurate to say? Okay, so you're with me on this. I'm not. I'm not a Bears kook. I will co-sign that with you. I will co-sign that with you. Not with a money line, but definitely against a twelve and a half. The Bears. The Bears. Well, it's Saturday night, and I just got paid. Through the time of money, don't try to save. My heart said, "Go, go." Have a time on Saturday night, and I feel fine. Gonna rock it up. And finally, the Monday nighter, we head to Arizona for an NFC West matchup where the LA Rams come to town. The Arizona Cardinals, two and a half point favorites, 51's your over under. Uh, the Rams righted the ship last week. Arizona, of course, uh, made easy work of the Bears, considering, I mean, they, they didn't play that great, but I mean, it didn't look like they were working that hard to do it either. Yeah, I'm going to go on a limb and guess that this divisional Monday night game will be a little higher scoring than last Monday night's divisional game. Absolutely. Um, you know, Arizona beat the Bears and the Rams beat the Jags, right? Um, I, You know, I'm pretty sure I know what the Cardinals are all about. They can run the ball, they can throw the ball, and they can play defense pretty well. I thought I knew who the Rams were when they started the season 7-1. and one. Yeah. Would you believe, Matthew, that the Detroit Lions had a better record in the month of November than the Rams, if you consider their tie with Pittsburgh? I absolutely would. And also, the Rams, horrible against the spread. They are. And you would think when you're adding guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller midseason, you're kind of going all in, which makes the streak a little more confusing. Yeah, it's it's. they added a couple stars. Theoretically... That should make them better. However, they have not, 
especially on defense, they have not been better. Well, Von Miller has yet to register a sack with the New Jersey. And with the amount of uh, attention that Aaron Donald gets, you should be able to get free. Because Aaron Donald, teams have somewhat, I don't want to say figured him out. I just figured that they know they two to three guys are on him because this year he doesn't have more than two sacks in a single game. And he only had one of those such games in each of the previous six seasons. Well, so they're figuring that they're, they're figuring out that you got to throw a lot of guys at Aaron Donald. And you know, that that's pretty elementary in my opinion. Like, look at the guy. He's, he's a freak of nature. Uh, mm-hmm. being that mm-hmm. fast and that strong and that big it is just unreal uh, but you would think then Von Miller should be able to get through one guy and he just and I mean even in uh, Denver this year he didn't look all that hot and then take into consideration as well Denver their defense seems to have picked up since he left so are you saying that Von Miller is not coming down anyone's throat this season not you know the same as von miller coming down your throat well it, i mentioned that the rams started seven and one that only loss came against the cardinals in week four but guess what that was after a big win against the tampa bay buccaneers the super bowl reigning champions tampa bay buccaneers you know the rams still lead the league in yards per play and i think they bring themselves within one game of, of uh, at least tied for the lead for the NFC West. I think they win this game outright. I'm taking the Rams. Wow, money line pick from Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. Wow. I, this is tough. I, I really like the cards this year. Uh, Kyler Murray leads the NFL with a 112.2 passer rating. Um, the Rams, they are having problems on defense and they're 0 and 4 when allowing 25 or more points, 8 and 0 when allowing 24 points or fewer. I don't think they can keep the Cardinals to fewer than 24 points. I mean the Cardinals are they we talked about their running game but what I like is Kyler Murray distributes the ball so evenly you can't really double anybody. They've got four wide receivers with 400 or more receiving yards this season. Kirk Green, Hopkins, and Moore. I don't think Green is going to be playing in this one. No, but uh, what I mean is the way that Murray oh, is yeah. distributing the ball, you can't just game plan to go, okay, we're going to shut this one guy down, and that's going to be 50% of their offense. That's not the way it's going to work. I think that this is under a field goal. Uh, it's right where a spread should probably be for a divisional matchup on a primetime game. But I, I, as long as it stays under a field goal, I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals. However, if this jumps up to three and a half, I might have to reconsider. Football! And now we head to the teaser section of the program where Andy and I both give you a teaser we like to get down on for the weekend. What are you liking this week, pal? Well, you've been listening to the show. These two picks should come as no surprise to anyone. First game, we are going to the Carolinas where they're playing division rival, the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons right now sit at plus one and a half. Well, we're going to take that through the key numbers of three, four, and seven and get them to eight and a half. And the other leg of the teaser... We're going to Music City, where Tennessee right now are eight-and-a-half-point favorites against the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Taking that, again, reverse through the 7, 4, and the 3, down to minus 1.5. So, again, Atlanta plus 8.5 and, and Tennessee minus 1.5. Well, for my first leg of the teaser, let's head to the nation's capital, or well, America's nation's capital. We are Canadian. <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, Washington, where the Dallas Cowboys are coming to town, and uh, I like taking Washington here from plus four to plus ten, going through the key number of seven and landing on ten, and I like Washington on the money line there, so if you're going to give me ten points, I love them. Uh, the next one, I, I'm going to look at my Bears going into Lambeau Field to play Green Bay. The the Bears are 12.5-point underdogs. I know it's on the road, but a low total of 41.5. So, I mean, add 6 to 12.5, you get 18.5 going through the key numbers of 14 and 17. So I'm going to take my Bears to 18.5, and, and we're going to ride out this win. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to week 14 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Then you won't miss the show. You can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all week 14 games across the NFL. From the Costa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, Please share it with two enemies. Turn in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. I see you waiting on a train. I see you waiting for your love. Cause this is all that I am asking you for Are there so many things that you and I will never understand Cause this is all that I am asking you for Under the sea Under the highway on the rail Under the promises you gave to me And all your letters in the mail I sit here waiting on a train Because I'll never get enough I sit here waiting like a fool for you I sit here waiting on your love I sit here waiting on a train I sit here running out of time Cause this is all that I am asking you for Cause this is all that I am asking you for Don't mess around, why won't you give that man an answer Under the sea Under the highway on the rail Promises you gave to me And all your letters in the mail I sit here waiting on a train Because I'll never get enough I sit here waiting like a fool for you I sit here waiting on your love 
Shooting through your tunnel vision Riding on your indecision Round and round, tightly wound Racing through the underground I wish I could control it all I wish it was irrelevant I wish I was a button push I wish I was the president Waiting on your love 